The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts and alongside with me for your What If Mondays, uh, Mr. Andrew Lenz. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Feeling good. Feeling Feeling good. good. Had a nice uh, little video game night last night. People, uh, people showed up, so it was nice. I'm pretty happy, so <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. As long as people show up, that's fine. Yeah, it's better than when I show up and two other people show up. It's not that's not yeah. as fun. So, yeah. So what? Uh, so we got a, a what if Monday here. Uh, Andrew gets choice this week, and we're gonna take a look at Jerome Bettis. Uh, you know, f- phenomenal football player. Hall of Famer, uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, he won. Yeah, one Super Bowl, right? Just one. Yeah, yeah, because he yeah. fumbled against the Colts. That's right. Yeah, it was almost not to be, and uh, <laughs> it was almost not to be. But uh, he did go. He did get it and retired on top. Andrew, what exactly are we? Uh, what ifing today with our main man, Mister Jerome Bettis? Well. As we just to kind of set it up as well, because we're doing what if Jerome Bettis was traded to the Oilers. So after the 95 season, Jerome Bettis is not looking as hot as he did. Say in his rookie year when he ran for almost 1500 yards in the ring before they became the greatest show on turf are looking for something different. So they're like, Hey, you're a big guy. We'll make, fullback and we'll make sure we can draft Lawrence Phillips because he's got some off the field problems but he's a really good talent so pretty much Jerome Bettis was like I'm not being a fullback I'm not a fullback I'm a running back and you better just trade me so from doing research found out and what Jerome Bettis says he had a choice he could go to the Steelers or the Oilers and his agent pretty much told him, and I'm guessing from what I understand from the story, his agent was also Eddie George's agent. And he said, whatever team you, whatever team you pick, Eddie's going to the other one. Right. So Jerome ended up picking the Steelers because of their history with power backs and just the history of the team, the logo and everything else over the Oilers. And he went on to show the Rams that he was a legit running back for many years. I, I do believe in the NFL and we know the Oilers go on to draft Eddie George and he has a great career too, as well. Don't think he's in the hall of fame. 
and, he's not. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, go to both. Both of these players play in a Super Bowl during their career at this time. So that's really nothing too different I can see there. But it's kind of interesting to say, you know, what if he was like, ah, I'm going to go to the Oilers. I think I like what they got there. Young quarterback. Uh, I know it's nothing too great. I mean, Jeff Fisher's kind of a less enthusiastic Bill Cower. Yeah. <laughs> Minus the Super Bowl ring. And maybe he's like, hey, I like what they got. I'm going to go down there because this is definitely a changing point in Houston's. So the Oilers at this point are very much rebuilding. Salary cap came into play. They traded away Warren Moon, I believe, after the 94, no, the 93 season. And they drafted Steve McNair uh, in 95. So it's very more of an up-and-coming team where the Steelers are coming off of say just making it to the Super Bowl in 95 a little bit more well established so that's kind of what you got to choose from rebuilding or more well established so maybe he wanted to go that route right and figure I see what they got there they're going to build off of this other than going to something more established that's kind of the Jerome Bettis mindset at this point okay but this is if he said, you know what, I'm going to go to a good young team and this first time head coach and Jeff Fisher and see where and see where it can take me. So basically a flip around. That is that is where it gets tricky. Because the Pittsburgh did it pick until 29th Hmm. and doing research this could change some things doing research so he was normally picked he was picked 14th by Houston but Houston doesn't need a running back so they pick somebody different and looking at who's next Denver's not getting a running not getting a running back they got TD Minnesota's not drafting a running back. They got Robert Smith. Detroit, it's 1996. I think I said enough. St. Louis just traded <laughs> just traded away, and then, then they just drafted Lawrence Phillips. No running back. Indy, Marshall Falk. Miami, but Jimmy Johnson doesn't like bigger backs. So, yeah. Uh, Seattle has Chris Warren, who's coming off of, I think, a 1,200-yard season. Sounds crazy to say some of these names where you're like, yeah, they're not going to take any joy. Because <laughs> also at this point, that Heisman Trophy stink is so heavy, too. Yeah. 
to mention another aspect. Eddie George kind of broke that. Uh, Tampa Bay, they just they have Eric Rett. He's young, coming off a 1,200 yard season. Uh, the Bills still got Thurman. They still got Thurman. They still got Thurman. Um, the Eagles just gave Ricky Waters huge money. The Ravens, maybe, because that changes a lot, too, because they drafted Ray Lewis in that spot. Uh, Green Bay. Well, no, I, they, I think, didn't they have a run? Well, this is still. They had Edgar Bennett. <clears throat> he was doing pretty good. He fit more of what that offense is needed yeah. with the running and the catching. KC is probably KC and the Steelers make the most sense because Kansas City does have Marcus Allen, but Marcus Allen's also thirty-five years old at this point. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I mean, it's one of those things where do you do you, do you really want to invest in a thirty-five-year-old running back? Yeah, or I'm sorry. St- 36. Oh, even better. Even 36 better. going in there. He still ran for 800 yards in 1996. That's that's impressive. That is impressive. Uh, all those years he had to sit uh, behind the bench with Bo Jackson. <laughs> Saving up. Saving up. Yeah. So pretty much, I don't know if the Ravens would, because that's such a weird area for them too, because this is the first year as the Ravens. Yeah. So I don't know if they would, but I would say the Chiefs or the Steelers are most likely to get Eddie George. Because I don't think the Dolphins will go for him just because of what I've heard Jimmy Johnson say. He doesn't like bigger backs. He likes smaller, nimble backs. Obviously, he traded away Herschel Walker and then ended up drafting Emmett Smith. So. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this, uh, this, this draft is a bit of a rabbit hole. Because, I mean, teams make shocking draft selections all the time, right? Um, you know, when it comes to running back. James Robinson had a really good 2020 season, and the Jaguars, I know his new coaching staff, decided to draft a top-end uh, running back this past year. And who knows? I mean, uh, I guess it's hindsight 2020, and I wasn't really aware of the, you know, the the spectrum of, the NFL at that point and what people were saying about Eddie George, you know, drafting running backs in the first round is, uh, I mean, it's become a big no, no, but you know, was it really in 1996? That's, that's the big perception because he did have several running backs go ahead of him. Um, you know, Bianca Patuka and Lawrence Phillips. So, and we all know the, the kind of career that Eddie George ended up having. So, uh, like I said, it's that, that Heisman, stink and we have to look at it this way too i think look going into the second round you know there's there's demand i guess well i guess it's low rent teams but there's a couple running backs that go out of the top you know uh leland mcelroy mike gallstott there's a couple that go right out of the top so there's there's some demand there but it's not it's at that's at the very top where team where teams are very needy in that, that position. Would, that would be really interesting. So say the Steelers or the the Chiefs draft 
Eddie George. I'm like, this is the guy, because Marty Schottenheimer's there. He sees this big power back. He's like, yeah, a Marty ball is back in full effect. And then all of a sudden, the Steelers in the second round, oh, no, he probably wouldn't even last that long. Or maybe the Steelers in the first round are like, eh, let's get a Mike Allstott. Right. Yeah, that definitely changes the path, the pathway of some things. But let's, I think for the sake of this episode, like yeah. I said, you're saying Kansas or Pittsburgh. It's, it's, I do want to say it's probably, I mean, for the sake of this episode, I think we just run with, with Pittsburgh at this point. I, I, I would think so. You need a running back. Um, Bettis goes to Houston. So Eddie George, man, I feel like he's, he's still fine. He's, I think he finds his way. I, I want to believe it's almost a flip flop. Yeah. Are you, to give you more perspective also about this Heisman stink. All right. So the last big time Heisman winner that actually did something in the NFL before Eddie George was Barry Sanders in 1988, 1989. And you could say who it's 100% fine. During this aspect in 1989 was Andre Ware. Okay. 1990 is Ty Detmer. 91 is Desmond Howard. 92 is Gino Toretta. And 94 is, I might mess up his name. Haran Shalom. So yeah, there's there, a lot of stink on there in between. Yeah. Barry and yeah. Yeah. So I just want, I wanted to pull that up because I knew there was like, Ugh, you don't want to draft a Heisman winner. <laughs> Man, because I mean, whoever gets on this team in 96, they're a big aspect of, you know, the, the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl run, right? Yeah. They're. Right, that is the that's the Steelers Cowboys one, or is that ninety five? No, this is the year after. The year after, okay, so that's that this might affect the year things. after. Um, so you're coming off of it. So let's see who the heck was. This is yeah. This is the year after, and if Eddie, and if Eddie George goes to the Steelers. Uh, Steelers fans might get mad at me, but and this might be my Eddie George bias talking. I think they're a better team with Eddie George down the line than they are with Bettis. Okay. How so? I think I think Eddie George has a better skill set to him. Trump Bettis was nimble and powerful, but I think Eddie George could kind of catch a little bit better than Bettis. Now, would they utilize that? I don't know. It's so hard to say because he did. I mean, I guess they had about the same career life. Well, no, they finished no. up around the same time. That's what I, I meant to say. But Eddie, Eddie George was beat to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> carries. He was... By the time he, he turned 30, he was definitely the quintessential over-the-hill running back at the age of 30. He got 1,000 in, in 
at 30, but yeah, then they shipped him over to Dallas, and that was it. Limited usage, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I So I think based on career lifespan, and we know okay. that Pittsburgh likes to run the ball. I think at that at that point too, right? They're not super comfortable in maybe not super comfortable in their their quarterback situations, right? This is uh, Cordell Stewart, Cordell Stewart era. This is uh, a little bit of Neil O'Donnell. Is it a little bit of Neil? No, I think he's in. Is he? When did he go to? When did good old Neil go to the Jets and screw up that team too? <laughs> so this is no Neil O'Donnell. So this is Cordell Stewart, Mike Tomzak, touchdown Tommy Maddox type play Man. with a little bit of Jim Miller in there. So I think the thing that I take away from this instantaneously is that neither one wins a Super Bowl or yeah, Eddie George still doesn't win one, and Jerome Bettis never wins one. Really? Yeah, that's my instantaneous take. Okay. Because I mean, maybe Eddie, or maybe maybe Jerome does in in that Steelers ram, uh, Steelers Titans one, maybe. But running back wasn't really the issue in that Super Bowl, you know. So it's really not a it's not a metric you can get. If Eddie George's career trajectory goes the way that it is, roughly taking, and and like we said, Pittsburgh loves to run the ball. It's a very ground and pound um, offense pre Ben Roethlisberger, and even with Ben Roethlisberger, they still like that physicality. Uh, Eddie George ain't making it to 05, <laughs> clearly. So, you know, you have to. That's a fresh. That's a fresh start, and you know they had some. The Cordell Stewart era wasn't really great. I mean, 2001, right? I think they, they, that's who the Patriots beat in the, the AFC Championship game. Yep. That's, I got to look at look at the score, but they won that thing. You know, Patriots won that thing, from what I understand, relatively comfortably. Um, uh, 24-17. 24-17. Patriots. And let's see what the box score was. Let's see if running back was really the issue. That's crazy to think that Cordell Stewart led them to an AFC championship. Why why do you guys bag on Cordell? Like when I was a kid, Cordell was like the thing. He was slash. He threw 42. Actually it was pretty it was pretty ugly. Well the the running was pretty ugly for why'd they abandon the running game so quick? Jerome Bettis had eight yards. On nine attempts. And one touchdown. If I had him in retro fantasy, I'd hurt somebody. Um, maybe it could be a little bit different. Well, if they abandoned... No, I, I don't... I, I disagree with that. I think... Well, it's clearly that they abandoned the run. All right? Because the Patriots defense was obviously something. All right? When listen, Jerome Bettis in two thousand the two thousand one season. Let's take a let's take a look at the the stats here. So rushing, Jerome Bettis two thousand one season thousand seventy two yards four touchdowns. Um, 
had a, this receiving game isn't that much. But man, if if Jerome Bettis can't get anything going behind this offensive line against this defense, I can't really fathom Eddie George being that different for Pittsburgh. I really can't. Schematically, just how you play in the game, I I can't picture it. If you're abandoning the run like that, I, I think Eddie George becomes a non-factor. I think Eddie George touches more. Like I feel Jerome Bettis is a better power back, but Eddie George is a better overall running back right. than Jerome Bettis. I think Eddie George helps out in that passing game. Because you're not running wide, you're not running running back screens to Jerome Bettis. I've never really seen that done too much. But I feel like you could do that with a young Eddie George in 2000, 2001. Do you think that's the difference, though, of Pittsburgh going or not? I still don't think they're going to go. This was like the team of destiny. And even still, and even still, if they go, are they beating that Rams team? No. There's I I still feel to this day that there was only one team in the AFC that year that was going to beat that Rams team and it was going to be that Patriots team. Right. So I, I you know neither one wins a Super Bowl. That's the ultimate thing of this. That's 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 basically what I'm gathering. Eddie George based on lifetime, uh like you know, life yeah. uh expectancy so to speak in the national football league and then you know in in Bettis's case it's, it's Tennessee you know they had that really good team in 99 when they really got hot I mean let's I, I can go look at that Super Bowl and see if like he's really an, a difference maker if Ooh, Jerome Bettis could be if Jerome Bettis could could Eddie, have been Eddie George did really good in that Super Bowl he had 28 carries, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. Right. Two receptions for 35 yards. And even that, like I said, that team was a long shot to, you know. There was. Oh, they did make it. Who did they lose to? Oh, I hit the wrong one. Um, Crap. They did make it to another AFC championship game. Tennessee did? Yeah. Um, just I got I got it up here. Hold on. I think it either. Um, no, it's not. No, wait. It two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah, they weren't doing that. Nothing against the Raiders. Raiders smacked the shit out of them. Yeah. And looking at statistics that day, George was okay, but he just, wasn't a difference maker. Even like with his pass catching ability, he's not making a difference there. So that's why I'm. Like, what do you think longevity wise? We're looking at that. Jerome Bettis, his rushes after 2000, his rushing attempts dropped drastically. So, in my mind, is what I'm thinking, and you could be like, Andrew, don't, but maybe it's a it's a flip. Maybe Pittsburgh is saying it's a little bit smarter personnel wise, which they always have been. And they're like, Eddie is kind of slowing down. 
kind of like what they did with Bettis. Let's bring in a complimentary back. Cause that's what really did it in 05 is you had that really great change of pace back between fast Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis. Right. So do the Steelers in my mind, I still think they do that. And they're like, Hey, we're, we're beating them into the ground, but we can still use them to change the pace. He's still something good. You know, he can catch, he's a power back. And I think maybe his longevity goes a little bit more. And maybe Bettis is, maybe he's out of the league sooner. Maybe the Oilers are like, hey, you're done. Because both of these guys pretty much by Bettis, if you look at his stats, he they're like, we need to slow him down by 2001. He go. He only played eleven games that year, anyways, and he only had two hundred and twenty-five carries. After that, his most was in two thousand and four with two hundred and fifty carries. Right. Eddie George never carried the ball less than three hundred and twelve times in his career, other than in Dallas, where he only played thirteen games and he ran the ball a hundred and thirty-two times. But as a primary starter, he's never gone under 312. Where Bettis, even in 99, he had 299 carries. So he's not, maybe not as, maybe Eddie George is not as, as beaten as he is in Tennessee. Wow. You know what? The Tennessee and the Oilers franchise really love to just beat on running backs. Yeah, it's it's a. Is this like a? They they've actually like people like don't like they've actually have a really good history of running backs. They do, but they beat on them. Yeah, they're like that. They've never had like significant like outside of like Warren Moon, and you know, and and more. I'm looking more so at the Tennessee aspect of it. Yeah, you know, they've never really had prolific passers they've never you know mcnair had i think one good year where he was co-mvp one really really good year where he was co-mvp i i enjoyed the mcnair years i did um that's why i got his jersey hanging up here but they never had big name wide receivers either no tennessee has struggled with that tennessee has struggled with that even going back to the houston days they've they've, they've mostly struggled with that yeah they beat earl campbell into the ground too <laughs> just looking at his carries yeah Holy cow, like they get a shiny new toy and they beat the crap out of that. Poor Derrick Henry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried for his his lifespan in the league. But that's where I'm thinking it's different. I'm thinking Houston is a much better personnel coaching situation than what Tennessee is. I mean, it's Jeff Fisher. Talk about a man that rides one career accomplishment all the way to the moon by making that one Super Bowl and then totally ruin, you know, ruining, almost destroying that Rams organization. Then some John McVay comes in and leads them to two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl win. So that's where my mindset is in this is that the coaching aspect is going to be different. 
maybe Cower, uh, personnel wise, is going to be like, hey, you know, maybe we can still use Eddie, but he's just not our feature back. Because Drew Bettis was not probably the 100% feature go to guy for those, even in that Super Bowl. No, he was not. Oh, he of was, what it is. It was not a good year for him, even though I still kind of made it about him somehow. Because, yeah, he didn't start in 05, ever. He played, but he wasn't the starter. So, hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe they extend his life, life, you know, but. I'm thinking Eddie George has a Super Bowl ring. You think he does? I think Eddie George has a Super Bowl ring. Possible, maybe, you know, um. You know, there's a lot of, he doesn't fumble. There's, you know, there's some possibility there. He doesn't fumble against the Colts and make things exciting. And we don't get drunk idiot kicker like Vanderjacked and all that stuff. It, it's certainly possible. But if they do win it, it's definitely not because of Eddie George. I think. Yeah, I think but regardless, he would win a ring. I, yeah, I, I think it's just. I think it's a flip flop the way that we did it. I think it's a flip-flop and career pass. I think it's a beat down of Jerome Bettis. And it's the coaching that's really changing my mind on this. There's actually decent coaching when it comes to the Steelers, where you look at the Titans and the Oilers, it's nothing... It's nothing where you're like, wow, these guys are super awesome and people that are, when you think of great coordinators, are up there. And just dysfunction, too. I I don't think a stable organization, Steelers are way more stable than Tennessee. That's obvious, yeah. So yeah, that's where that. I'm thinking it's a flip. I'm thinking it's a flip, and Eddie George maybe adds a little bit more to that offense. Like I said, I I still believe, I know people might disagree with me and say they're pretty much the same, but I think Ed, Eddie George is a better overall back than what Jerome Bettis is. Okay. So I'm thinking he gets the ring, and it's just a flip-flop of career paths. At one point, they're like, we need to start shutting down Eddie a little bit more, save him for short yardage or change a pat or change a pace or, you know, kind of garbage time run down the clock situations. Right. And we can use Willie Parker for other things where Bettis just gets straight run into the ground. Because that seems to be like the great history of Oilers slash Titans franchise. We get the shiny new toy at running back and we're going to run them into the ground. Like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in the no Super Bowl category. I personally, I personally am. If, if he makes it Oh five, he does get carried by, you know, the rest of the team. Essentially he's there on like a legacy kind of, Hey, thanks for being here kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's it's 
It's a tough one, but I, I'm going to go with no rings. I think Pittsburgh has one less Super Bowl um, ring to their credit, and that's a whole that opens up in a whole other can of worms. Yeah, with with certain other players, um, with Coach Cower retiring, that it can, you know can run that deep. You know what does it do for Big Ben's legacy? Even though you know his his Super Bowl achievements were mostly defense, like he never really like. I mean, I don't want to go on that tangent, but he never really yeah. like played <laughs> crazy good in those Super Bowls. It was the defense that really showed up, and and Big Ben and company just kind of do it enough. Yeah, so, but he so. made that play in the Cardinals one. He did. That is true. I can't. I can't forget about that one. He made. The, he made. I, I know James Harrison had that one, but when you make the game-winning throw, it's a little. I know a lot of people do that with Eli Manning too. That, but the throw set up a lot of stuff. Yeah. No, I get that. I definitely get that. You have to have a good quarterback to be able to pull that off. But um, I think I just thought this was kind of a little bit interesting that it is, these it is two one, running backs you don't really know about. Yeah, these two running backs. You know, and the fact that Jerome Bettis got to choose his path per se is pretty awesome as well yeah i agree i agree so ladies and gentlemen that is it for this week's episode um next week i haven't really told andrew that we're going to do this one but oh geez it's we're going to stay in the realm of what i was what i was interested in um what if so bills fans you'll appreciate this one what if Trent Edwards doesn't get hurt against the Arizona Cardinals in week five of the 2008 season? I like that. I remember that game. What was that Jocko's? Were you? Yeah. I remember. It's Good so pizza. crazy. I remember that. Good pizza. So that was uh, that, a lot of people view that as a turning point for that 08 Bills season. A lot of people do. Bills fans, obviously, were like, oh. Oh, Trent. Oh, Captain Chuck down. Oh, ruined our season. Were, forgot how to play football. Oh. They were like on a roll, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were, were 4 0. They yeah, started off 4 0. And I mean, listen, Arizona was a monster in 2008. I'm not saying that they would have had a chance, but uh, he allegedly came back and just played really bad football. Yeah, so. he was never the same after that. And like oh wait Seattle uh, oh wait Seattle was I'm trying to look at their like their quality of of victories. Yeah, they beat a bunch of bum teams to start off the season, but uh, yeah. But again, it's it's one of those things where you know Trent Edwards is the guy, and JP Lossman obviously wasn't. So, what difference does you know what happens? What changes? Uh, for this team. So that's what we're going to look at. So it's a little bit of different uh, than what I originally told Andrew that I was kind of considering doing, but um, I think it's a fun one for bills fans. Like I said, uh, might get, might get a, lot, a lot of clicks, but we'll uh, you know, that's what it's all about, but that's, uh, that's what we're going to take a look at next week. So what if Trent Edwards doesn't get hurt in uh, against Arizona in 2008, I believe it was a concussion. I want to, I want to get Brian's feedback on this one. I'm definitely going to have to message him on this. I, he's got time. 
Let's invite him oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Let's invite him on. He's got time. Um, so that is it, everybody. Thank you so, so much for tuning in and uh, checking out this week's episode of our what ifs. Of course, if you don't know, if you only listen to us once a week, um, we have plenty of other good stuff going on throughout the week. We have a lot of free agency talk coming up. The new season, uh, new league year begins in the, I think next week or in two, at, at the very least two weeks, but it, it's, it's, it's coming up. Trade talks are rampant. Free agent signings are rampant. Our free agent rumors are rampant. So, um, so yeah, so lots and lots of stuff. Of course, the retro fantasy game trivia and NFL history, but that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in on behalf of Andrew and I till next time. The two point conversation is good. Yeah, spot.